This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by the Salesman Podcast, hosted by Will Barron and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Look, if you work in sales, want to learn how to sell, and frankly, who doesn't? Check out the Salesman Podcast, where host Will Barron helps sales professionals learn how to find buyers and win big business in effective and ethical ways. And if you want to start someplace, I recommend the four-step process to influencing buying decisions. Listen to the Salesman Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance. My guest today is Steve Hoffman, also known as Captain Hoff. He's the CEO of Founders Space, one of the world's leading startup accelerators with over 50 partners in 22 countries. Founders Space was ranked number one, the number one incubator for overseas startups by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazines. He's also the author of Surviving a Startup. Practical Strategies for Starting a Business, Overcoming Obstacles, and Coming Out on Top. So, Steve, welcome to it's the show. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. So, I have to admit, surviving a startup doesn't really make starting a startup f very appealing, does it? Well, the truth is that the majority of startups fail. And right. what every entrepreneur wants is to succeed. And so, that bo the book is designed to give entrepreneurs really practical and concrete advice on how to avoid all the pitfalls of doing a startup and right. act and come out on top. So I'm super optimistic and I believe <laughs> entrepreneurs, if they are educated, if they know the right things, they can succeed. But I, what I want to do in the book is tell entrepreneurs, you can't just dive into it. You have to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's obviously that's the real message is this is not a walk in the park. I mean, this is something you have to take very seriously. Yeah. It? We read about all these unicorns and people being successful, right. but you don't hear about the hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs who hit dead ends, who, you know, fell off a cliff, who where it didn't go as they planned. So I'm curious, how did you get into the business of advising startups? Well, first of all, I did three venture funded startups in Silicon Valley and two bootstrap startups. So I know what it's like. Wow. I was, I've been in the trenches. <laughs> I've been doing this my whole life. And, you know, after my third venture funded startup, my friends started to come to me and my nickname is Captain right. Hoff. So they're like, Captain, can you help me? You know, how do you raise capital? How do you put together an investor deck? You know, can sure. you look at my business plan, see if the business model works? All these questions. And I started to get these entrepreneurs together in groups. We called them founder space roundtables. And we'd meet, I'd introduce them to angel investors and marketing experts and lawyers and really try to help them get off the ground. And after that, we decided we'd get our own space. So we got a space in San Francisco. We launched the founder space accelerator and it just spread from there. Now we're like all over the world working with entrepreneurs. I'm curious, this is probably more of a personal curiosity question to hear your answer to this. There's obviously a lot of buzz about startups. A lot of people start businesses. The term startup seems to apply to a certain approach or kind of business. I'm curious, how, how would you define the difference between a startup and somebody starting a business? So there are different types of ways to be an entrepreneur. They're all, entre they're right. all entrepreneurial. 
So it doesn't matter if you're starting a local restaurant, a laundromat, you know, the next Google or Facebook, you are starting a business. It's a lot of work. So a lot of the basics are the same, but the big difference between what would be, you know, a local business as opposed to a potentially global international business someday is growth potential. How big is your vision? Can what you're starting grow? Do you have something unique? And it doesn't have to be technology. It could be like Lululemon. They didn't have a lot of technology. It was a unique approach at a specific time to target the yoga market, which other big players were overlooking. And they targeted it, did a really good job, and they they grew enormously. So it really doesn't matter. It could be a restaurant, but are you going to franchise it? Do you have big plans? How are you going to grow this chain? Or are you happy to run just a local restaurant? That is the differentiator. So in the beginning, though, even with the bigger vision, are there different challenges? There are and there aren't. I often tell entrepreneurs it's as much work, time, effort, and risk to run a small business as it is to run a potentially incredibly large business. And that's because you're just operating on different scales and you need to focus on different things. So if you're running a small business, usually what you're doing, if it's a consulting business or any type of business, you are doing something similar to what other people have done in the past. So you are... Your business model isn't going to be totally innovative. You aren't taking technology and using it to solve problems in a new way that other people aren't, but you are just focused on building your business. And the challenges there are it's a competitive world. You have to compete against all these other people. And if you, for example, open a, a store and it's in the wrong location, really tough to succeed. If you don't get the right people on board, you know, hire them really hard to succeed. Marketing, getting your name out. How do people find you? How do you differentiate yourself? All these things are, if you're running a small business, they're huge challenges. Now, if you're running what we call a high growth startup, usually what you're doing, but not always, like I said, is using technology. You don't have to invent this technology. It can be a a mobile app on a phone. You didn't have to invent the iPhone and invent applications. You just have to use the technology in a way that provides value to people that they aren't getting elsewhere. And in addition to that, and this is the really hard part, you have to find a market, an untapped pool of demand that is waiting for this to come along. Now, This is why I tell entrepreneurs who want to run, you know, want to start the next big Google or next big business. Your your most important task at the beginning is to be a demand hunter, to go into the market. It's not to think of some crazy new idea because most ideas don't work in the real world. They sound good, but, you know, you put them out there and somebody's already doing them or they don't work for various reasons. But the hardest thing to figure out is where is the, these pools of demand that are always forming, new pools of demand that aren't being met by the marketplace. And if you can identify one of those and tap into it, that and provide a solution for that power of that demand will just drive the growth of your business. So, so as somebody who helps these organizations get funded and grow, I mean, is that kind of your first question? Is that when somebody comes to you and says, I'm going to make blah, blah, blah. Is that your first 
you know, thing is if we can't figure out where that demand is, then, you know, go away. Uh, bottom line for most smart investors, and I'm an investor and I try to be right. smart. It's yes. It's honestly. Yeah. If, so we look at a couple things. One, just right off the bat, if we're looking at their concept, their investor deck, we're saying, where is that demand? Show us that demand. Do people really need this? Because you can say anything you want, but if and you can build the best product you want. You could spend a year building like the most perfect product with all the features and no bugs or whatever it is. You put it out there. If there's no demand for it, it just dies. Like invariably, yeah. nobody. So we... As investors, most investors, we call it traction in Silicon Valley. But really what it is, is it show us that people need this. And are there a lot of them out there? If, the, if you can prove that to us and there are a lot of them and nobody else is doing this or they're not doing it as well as you are, you're using technology to do it in a much better way, a much more efficient way, deliver a lot more value, whoa, you got something. Then we get really excited. And the next thing we look at, honestly, after that is the team. Like you can have the best idea mm -hmm. and the biggest demand in the world, but if you have a crummy team, like they're not up to par, they can't execute on the idea, you're still good. You're going to fumble the ball. Somebody else will pick it up and run with it. So you need those two things are the most important thing when it comes to funding high growth startups. And now let's hear from our sponsor. Look, if you're tired of slowing down your teams with clunky software processes and marketing that is difficult to scale. HubSpot is here to help you and your business grow better. With collaboration tools and built-in SEO optimizations, a HubSpot CRM platform is tailor-made to help you scale your marketing with ease. Integrated calendars, tasks, and commenting help hybrid teams stay connected, while automated SEO recommendations intuitively optimize your webpage content for increased organic traffic. Ditch the difficult and dial up your marketing with tools that are easy to use and easy to scale. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. Yeah, now you kind of answered my next question. I was going to say, I was going to ask you, you know, what are the secrets to raising money? But I think you just answered it right there. I have a team that shows the experience that they can pull this off and have an ability to show demand. So you probably get this question. I think a lot of people assume, oh, I want to go out and get funded. Should everybody get funded? Absolutely not. So first of all, there are many types of businesses and certain businesses are right for certain people. Like a lot of people, they are naturally not born leaders. They don't like it. They don't like managing people. Yeah. They don't want to hassle with it. They are individual contributors. They tend to be much more happy doing their own thing. And when they step outside of that, that who they really are, they they don't even perform well because they're it's just yeah. not intuitive to them. It's a drain. Yeah. So yeah. I tell those people, pick a what we call lifestyle business. Pick a business where you can run with you and maybe a few other people or by yourself and be really happy and earn a good income. You will be much more successful that way. And then other people, they really are set they really have great leadership skills as well as the love and desire to engage people, to go out into the world, to pull in resources. If that is in your DNA, if that's who you are, then you are in a good position to start one of these high growth businesses that you build not by yourself, because really the CEO's job, number one job, you know, is 
Just find the right people and find the right resources. That's all you need to do. Because if you get the right people on the team, they're going to build your product. The right people on the team, they're going to market your product. The right, you know, they'll do the right people will do everything. But the CEO needs to set a vision and then needs to go out and get these people committed, even when you have no money or very little money. Get them committed to you, get investors committed, get customers committed. That is the role of the CEO in an early stage company. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure there are many companies where, you know, the founder made the thing or, you know, did the tech or knew how to do the tech. Once they grew to about 10 people, they crashed, oh, yeah. you know, because it was like, you know, that, that became, you know, they, the real challenge. So yeah, if you can't lead people, organize people, motivate people, you should take another role in the startup. Like if you want to do a startup and you're really just like, yeah. love the coding, do the coding and get somebody else who's that superstar yeah. in that area. So I know in the book, you talk a lot about managing people. And, the, and in my experience, that's probably, I don't care what kind of business, that's the biggest, in many cases, that's the biggest challenge as they grow. So what are some of the secrets to effectively growing a team? So first of all, don't pick second rate people. And it's so easy to do because it's so hard to find great people. It's really yeah. hard, but especially in the positions where you want them to innovate where you want them to think beyond their job description. And this is true for like startups that really want to grow. So if you have a person and all they have to do is sit at the cash register or take you know, orders, you don't need a super innovator. You could you know, get, just get a reliable person. But if you're going to have somebody who's developing a product, developing a new technology, designing, or going out into marketing and figuring out new ways to market, you really need a thinker. So, that's, so you have to spend a lot of time looking for this person. Like literally, when you first start your company, I tell people something counterintuitive. I say, don't worry about the idea. Like there are a million ideas out there. There's a million ideas you have. They're probably not exactly right. You will figure out your idea later. But what you can't figure out later, what you need to start with is the team. So put 80% of your time into like, who are these amazing technologists, this amazing marketing person, this amazing designer that you can bring onto your team at the beginning and then as a team, you start to go into the real world and run experiments to try things out. You might have 20 different ideas between all of you, and you're going to try all of them out. And usually you pick a direction. You usually say, you know, we want to remake the restaurant business, and we have all these ideas on how we can do this. And with this team, we're going to go into the restaurant business. We're going to talk to chefs. We're going to talk to owners. We're going to talk to waiters. We're going to figure out what their problems are. And we're going to figure out how to do things differently, use new technologies, new business models to, to solve their problems. If you approach it this right. way, your chance of success is so much higher. So Steve, you're still in San Francisco, right? I am actually near San Francisco. Now I used to live near in San the city. Francisco. Now I live outside the yeah. city. So, so you probably occasionally drive by some very large buildings that are at about 10% capacity, you know, because employees are distributed now or not coming back to the office ever again. Uh, do you think that the no headquarters model is going to impact startups going forward? Or is it really just a different form of delivery of, you know, employee service? I think it's a positive and a negative. So for some people, it's a, you can tap a workforce of talented people who might not be able to come into the office, who can save a lot of time by not doing the commute. But it's also a big disadvantage because having people in the same room, collaborating, talking on their downtime, you know, all these serendipitous yeah. moments that you have when you're with a team of people, those don't exist. So 
I, what we're seeing now in Silicon Valley is a lot of startups are itching and big companies to get people back in the office. <laughs> they want to yeah, get right. people back in the office. It's hard because people, a lot of people like now, they got used to working remotely. They have control over their time. They have more control over their life. Uh, they don't necessarily want to go back. So we're going to see this push and pull over the next several years. But my gut feeling is that when, you know, Barring another pandemic, which we hope doesn't happen, you know, assuming we're, we've gotten over this and now we have vaccines, if that is the case, I think we'll start to revert back to the way it was. Now, we'll never go as far back, like to the point where, you know, we expect almost everybody to be in the office. It will never go there again. We'll always have this blend, but we will see a lot more people being expected to go and, and be there in person. Yeah. Yeah. I know a number of people in San Francisco that I I know and have spoken with recently actually left the city. Yeah. It's, it's a little harder for those people. And that's what I mean. It's never going to go totally back, <laughs> and, but, and there'll be compromises or they'll have to make compromises. But I will tell you, you know, some, a lot of startups I work with, we, we want to see people face to face. It's just not the same yeah. when you're distributed and talking remotely. If if you were going to have every potential founder or founder come before you ask for money and they could give you all of the standardized personal personality tests that they've taken, are there any traits that you would look for that you think need to that make somebody more likely to succeed as a yeah, startup? Yeah, I will tell you. So when you are faced with a real challenging problem, even something that seems impossible, hopeless. Like it's just like it, it, at a certain point, everybody says you can't do it. It's not possible. You believe actually well, it might not be possible, but the entrepreneurs <laughs> who just dig their heels in and just go at it, like they just go at it relentlessly. Those are the ones who tend to break through. And if you have that type of dogged determination in your personality, there's a good chance you'll make it. You might not succeed on your first try or your second try, but you right. will get there. Yeah, you won't give up. So tell us a little bit about the founder space, how it operates. Is it you know the typical incubator or do you feel like you have uh, some innovations that you've brought to Yeah, so space? we're a little different. We're not. We have evolved actually through the pandemic. We used to be much more like a typical incubator. We were early on in the ecosystem in San mm -hmm. Francisco. We grew really fast internationally. Now we're more like a distributed innovation hub. So we work with other incubators all over the world with different governments, with different uh, te technological companies, big tech companies. And what we do is we are really into education. So we run programs all over the globe, both online and offline. And we used to do a lot more offline and we plan to do that again now that we'll be traveling much more, where we really focus on giving entrepreneurs the what they need to know to kind of break through and helping them in detail, like analyzing what they're doing, where they're running into problems and getting those. We're less focused on running a traditional accelerator program where we have take equity, we have demo right. days, we do all these things. Those, our programs tend to be, they're not like you have to be in them three months or whatever and then have a demo day. Our programs tend to be more compact, really try to uh, focus today. What are your problems today? Let's see in, in, in a week 
if we can get through over the major hurdles, if we can have some breakthroughs for you, new ideas, things that will take you to the next level, and then you can go on and run your business. So it's almost like a more of a sprint model in some ways. Yes, a sprint at just the right time when entrepreneurs yeah, need yeah. that help the most. So they come to us, they say, yeah. you know, we've hit this roadblock or we, we can't get beyond this point. What can we do? What, you know, since we've worked with hundreds of companies, we start to see patterns. We start to see things. Oh, well, you're, you don't have this on your team or you're headed in this direction or you haven't really validated your model. You think you have, or you want to believe you have, but this is what you need to do to really know if this is going to work. And if it's not, we need to pivot. We need to go a new direction. Steve, tell people where they can find out about your programs and obviously the books and everything else that uh, that you've uh, got yourself Great. into. Great. And so if you want to reach me for any reason, just go to founderspace.com. So it's founderspace.com. I'm there. All my books, Surviving a Startup. I have a number of other books. They're all there. And you can contact me at Founderspace. You can also reach out to me on virtually any of the social networks. Just search for Steve Hoffman or Founderspace. A good one is LinkedIn. I respond to everything. So reach out and get in touch. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking some time to stop by the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. And hopefully we'll run into you uh, one of these days out there on the road. Thank you. It's been wonderful. All right. So that wraps up another episode. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And you know we love those reviews and comments. And just generally tell me what you think. Also, did you know that you could offer the duct tape marketing system, our system, to your clients and build a complete marketing, consulting, coaching business, or maybe level up an agency with some additional services? That's right. Check out the Duct Tape Marketing Consultant Network. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that Offer Our System to Your Clients tab.